Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. And as my regular listeners know, I love bringing to you leaders who have focused on their own development over their careers. And they're also committed to the growth and development of the people either on their team or throughout their entire organization. And today I have a very special guest that I know you're going to really enjoy hearing from because of his vast experiences, Dr. Mark Kessner. Mark, welcome to my show. Meredith, thank you. It's a a privilege to be here and to be with your listeners today. Well, I'm so excited. Mark is a senior leader with Ball Corporation. And all of you are familiar with Ball, whether you recognize the name or not, they make just about every aluminum can that is made. Is that right, Mark? Or do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, specifically within our beverage um, area, you know, um, the brands that we all grew up and know and love with Coca-Cola and Pepsi and and, um, if you like adult beverages, Anheuser-Busch. So yeah, so we produce a lot of uh, aluminum cans uh, that we refresh ourselves with every day. Well, let me tell my audience a little bit about you. Besides um, Ball, at Ball, Mark is the Vice President of Talent Development, Learning and Development, People Analytics, and Transformation. And he has more than 20 years of executive experience in these fields with companies like Coca-Cola and graphic packaging. And what I love about Mark is he finds it exhilarating, I love that word, to have the opportunity to impact leaders and employees through talent solutions. And Mark, you have such a great resume. I don't want to take up the time to share with my listeners all the vast experience you have, but I would love for you to start out telling us a bit about your journey. What led you to do the work that you're doing today? Yeah, thank you. I mean, it really has been a great journey and I do find it very exhilarating to be able to work in a, in a field and in an industry um, or a, a, um, an area that allows us to bring out the best in, the, uh, in our workforce. So I actually started my, you know, my career with Hilton uh, worldwide um, and had the opportunity uh, with Hilton to actually work in operations, um, in the learning space, in product development and service development, which really served as the foundation of um, really bringing all of those components together around how we actually, you know, create great products, create services, that um, are brought to life through people. And that's really where I got the, this um, passion around really thinking through talent solutions and how we develop leaders and how we develop our employees, uh, where we um, develop capabilities that provide companies uh, a competitive advantage. And I spent um, a significant time with Hilton Worldwide. And then um, when I left Hilton, um, I joined the Coca-Cola what we call the Coca-Cola system. I actually worked for um, one of the largest bottlers here in the U.S. So uh, that was my first 
foray into the manufacturing environment and working with um, a large production workforce um, as well as salary professionals. Um, and then the Coca-Cola company purchased the bottler, the bottling system here in the U.S. And I had the privilege of working um, at the Coca-Cola company. Um, and so why my, you know, why I was at the Coca-Cola um, company, I had various roles um, in the talent space, org effectiveness, employee engagement, all of those practices um, that allow us to uh, bring out the best um, in our in our workforce. Um, my last role with the Coca-Cola company, I was the chief learning officer, which was really great because I was able to bring all of that together and really think through creative, forward-thinking, um, learning solutions that allow us to um, develop every day. I'm a firm believer that learning is something that happens every day. Um, hopefully, your listeners will learn something through um, our discussion. I know I'll learn something through our discussion. And so I'm just a firm believer that every opportunity that we have, there's, there's an opportunity to learn something new um, and to sharpen our saw, per se, not to, to use a cliche. Um, and then when I left the, the Coca-Cola company, I joined um, an organization um, called Graphic Packaging. Um, and like Ball, Graphic Packaging um, also creates lots of products that are in our pantries and in our bathrooms. Um, it's a fiber-based packaging company, and they create everything from Kleenex boxes to um, the, the cups that you get at Dunkin' Donuts. And I had the great privilege and opportunity to lead the talent ecosystem um, at Graphic, where um, talent management, talent acquisition... So, you know, um, hire to retire, um, that whole employee um, experience. And then I joined Ball earlier uh, this summer. Um, and as we just talked about, you know, I have the responsibilities over uh, talent management, learning and development, people analytics and transformation. And it's such an exciting um, organization because we talked about our um, aluminum um, products, uh, which is our, you know, infinitely recyclable and we have the opportunity, we have a cups division, an aerosol division, and we also have an aerospace division. And so it's really exciting to work for an organization that has an impact on our, on our daily lives um, in multiple ways. So it's very exciting. It's such an interesting journey. And we're going to tap into some of the threads that uh, cross over all those different companies that you worked in. I'd like to start with Ball. And one of the core values there that I think is so impressive is the saying, we before me. And it isn't just a saying, it really is a core value. So talk about what that means. And what does that look like in the way people interact with each other? Yeah, I mean, you hit it, you know, spot on it is that it's, you know, one of our core values, along with, you know, act like an owner. Um, and I think that those two go hand in hand because um, we are held accountable to think of ourselves as owners of the company and how, and the we versus me is, is that we succeed um, as a team. We succeed together as a collective um, group of individuals. And what that does when, you know, like when you own a company and you own a company with other partners, it's like you have a vested interest, you collaborate um, you are looking to solve problems 
um, as a collective team, everybody knows the role that they play. Um, you know, if you think about it um, in the analogy of sports, and I won't use a particular sports, but if you think of team sports, everyone has a specific skill set. Everyone has a specific role. And it's bringing those together that makes a high-performing team or a successful national championship or a World Cup, right? It's how that team interacts. And there's no one particular person that is more important than another. It's the collective bringing that all together. You know, I love, a, I, I can't take credit for this saying, it was a leader that I had the privilege of working for um, throughout my career that said, you know, together we're, we're very smart people, right? Um, or each of us are, is very smart, but together we're genius. Um, and I think that it's bringing all of that together um, that just gives you that collective power of we, which is why it's a fundamental value to Ball um, in that we really do believe that it's we before me and it's that collective and it, and, it, and it permeates through the culture and it permeates through how we think about rewards and recognition as well. You know, thinking about that, and I was sitting here reflecting on how in so many organizations, stovepipes are created and people are competing for resources which with each other. And I'm curious, with that as a core value, how does Ball avoid falling into that trap of, of people competing with each other? Yeah, I mean... One, I think because it is such a core value and, and you link that with the um, act like an owner, we also have, a, you know, a driving strategic philosophy around drive for 10, which is, you know, drive for excellence, right? Yeah. And, you know, fundamental in our drive for 10 is we know who we are, we know where we're going and we know what's important. And with those three tenets, I think it addresses your question is, is like, you know, like all organizations, we're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. Um, but because we know who we are and because we know where we're going and we know what's important, that really helps you understand what are the objectives? What are the objectives of the company? And what are the objectives for me as an individual and as me as part of a team in achieving those objectives? And then that also helps you understand, you know, I, I remember a professor from... Um, Wharton that, you know, shared, you know, strategy is just, you know, the importance of strategy is to know where you're going and what you're going to do, but it's also important around what you're not going to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so if you think about that from a resourcing perspective, when you have clarity around who you are, where you're going and what's important, then you know that you're all going in the right direction. You understand what we're going to work on and how we actually resource accordingly to support that vision and that strategic objective, both for the short term and the long term. Because we know we all live in a very chaotic and um, ever-changing world. Um, and so we have to be able to be adaptable and be able to adjust um, and shift priorities and resources accordingly. And, you know, large organizations, um, you know, sometimes struggle with that. And they, you know, we don't, we don't always get it right either. So. Well, I love those three and I can see how they work in sync. And, you know, the other thing I love, Mark, is as you're talking, I can just see your eyes lighting up. It was, it's clear to me 
that you were attracted to these core values in joining Vol as a senior leader. And I, I want to go into this whole focus on leadership too, because I think that's important. There's an acronym that you had shared with me, ICA, that describes the Vol philosophy around leadership. So tell me and my audience what those letters stand for and then what do they mean within the company? Yeah, I mean, I think this will resonate with a lot of the folks that are listening. Um, And the reason that we have this particular framework is to provide clarity to leaders around what is expected of them. Mm. And, you know, it's very simple. I mean, it's like as leaders, uh, we need to inspire our teams. We need to inspire our peers. You know, we need to inspire each other. And, you know, that's really around bringing forth passion with authenticity and humility. Um, We need to connect. Uh, with our teams, you know, that's seeing others, creating relationships, building a deeper sense of purpose and enabling, enabling others to thrive um, and then achieve, right? Creating compelling strategies and shared results. And also I would say that's around really providing clarity around the work that matters most with the team. So mm-hmm. the ICA stands for inspire, connect and achieve. And it really resonated with me. And, you know, one of the things that I had an opportunity when I did my research as part of my doctoral degree was to look at the quality of the relationship between leaders and their teams. And these three elements, um, you know, I don't, I did not specifically call them this, right? Because this is what I encountered when I went to Ball. But the concepts that they support, I found in my research um, is what makes effective leaders, right? When you have a high quality relationship, when you connect with that individual, when you are authentic and when you provide clarity around what's expected and you give that continuous feedback, those leaders are more effective than leaders that don't practice or have that as part of their core philosophy or approach or behavior around how they lead teams. Mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing that your leadership development programs touch on or emphasize these three aspects of leadership. Do I have that right? Yes, most definitely. And they're building blocks. So, you know, how, and I, I think your listeners would agree with this as well, is like how that shows up as a frontline leader, um, you know, and in a manufacturing environment, the vast majority of our workforce is individuals that work in our facilities. And so our frontline leader leaders manage or lead the largest portion of our workforce. And so it's really important that we give them the right support, skills, knowledge, and tools for them to be the best leader that they can be. And so there's some foundational blocks around what does inspire, connect, and achieve look like Um, at the front line. Mm -hmm. And then as you um, take on roles of larger scale and complexity, um, those three concepts manifest themselves slightly different. So when you make that leadership turn from a frontline leader to a mid-level leader, there's certain expectations around what ICA looks like. Mm -hmm. And then when you make that leadership turn again and take on another role of larger scale and complexity as a senior leader, 
again, it shows up differently. So like as a leader, as a senior leader, we expect for you to, your leadership presence is really important. How you inspire trust in the broader organization. How do you create a sense of purpose for the broader organization and what needs to, um, how, how you see your impact and how you move forward and inspire people through complexity and change, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be a cultural champion, right? Um, you have to really set that vision and be an advocate of that culture. So, you know, if you think about for Drive for 10, or if you think about um, being authentic, um, or the the we versus me, you have to practice that. You have to be that cultural champion. And then you have to be that breakthrough strategist, right? You see connections that others don't. Um, you help make those connections. You translate insights and strategies into operational plans. And, you know, you, you again, you also have to help um, the, the organization understand what is the, the, the goals and objectives. What are we you know, um, uh, striving for. So again, I only use that example because, you know, what is expected at different, at different leadership levels, um, looks slightly different, but it's still based in that idea of, you know, being authentic, creating relationships and setting that, you know, very clear vision, um, and objectives. Mm -hmm. That's and that's embodied in our leadership development to your point, right? Mm-hmm. So we have experiences that we want to develop and invest in leaders as they grow um, throughout their career. You know, as you said, you know, I have had the privilege of working in this particular, you know, space for 20 years and be, and I've led lots of teams of varying sizes. I still consider myself very much a work in progress. It's like a painting that's never finished. Well, I agree. And I think the best leaders see themselves that way, too, that, you know, they they don't have all the answers because human beings are not totally predictable. And so we have to always be learning new things. I think one of the things I really admire and want to explore with you, you have, you know, talked about how some companies talk about piloting a project and then scaling it. And you're not fond of those words. You prefer experimenting and testing. And I would love for you to talk about the distinction you make with those pairs of words, because I think it, it could have real value for people in thinking about putting in place something new with yeah. a specific group. Right. I mean, they go hand in hand, um, but experimenting and testing to your point goes first. Um, and, you know, again, not to be cliche, um, but, you know, some of our strongest strengths come out of our um, biggest failures. Right. And I know lots of folks have said that. And, you know, that's the concept of experimentation. When you pilot something, you're making assumptions that you're going to scale it, right? And that assumes that you've worked out all of the kinks and the bugs and the, the pilot was successful. And the reason I said they go hand in hand is because experimentation goes first. You may have a concept. And we actually did this in a couple organizations that I worked with around performance. And there's been lots of organizations that have really challenged the traditional approach to performance. 
management where, you know, you set objectives, you cascade them, you do a mid-year review and you do an end of the year review. And, you know, uh, there's research that, you know, challenges if that approach really works. And so what we found, um, because I don't want to assume that it doesn't work in all organizations, but what we found in some organizations that I worked with is that that process wasn't serving us well. So we decided, you know, like mad scientists, there was a team of us um, to say, you know, we want to try some different approaches. We want to experiment. And the reason we're going to experiment is, is that we don't know if this is going to work. Um, you know, traditional performance management's been around for decades, um, if not longer. And we're, we're, you know, we're joining some other organizations that are going to really try some different approaches. And so we experimented, tried out different components, and then saw what worked. And then we also, you know, as we were positioning it with leaders, we're going to try something we need for you to trust us. This may not work. And therefore, you know, it may never see the light of day in the organization. Now, fast forward, there were many components that worked in the experiment. And we actually did then um, do a larger pilot. um, And then we did scale it to the organization. But there were things that didn't work. There were things that we found like, wow, that just doesn't work. Um, I'll give you an, you know, an example. One of the things we experimented with is, is that instead of doing a mid-year review and an end-of-year review, what if we um, talked about performance monthly? So every four weeks. What if we talked about um, performance every 12 weeks? And then what if we talked about performance quarterly? And what we found was is that quarterly wasn't often enough, and it was almost very similar to the mid-year and end-of-year. And the ever 12 weeks... um, didn't particularly work in this particular organization because our business routines were monthly. Um, And so the 12 week cycle felt um, a little off. And so, but you learn those things. And, you know, sometimes if you skip that experimentation and the ability to fail or the ability to learn, then you come up with a solution and you pilot it and then you're scaling it and then you're discovering things and, um, doesn't allow you to be as adaptable and as agile. So I am a big proponent of, of being able to do small experiments um, so and learn from those. What did you find was the best time frame? If if quarterly and 12 weeks weren't the right rhythm, what did you find was? Yeah, so the monthly actually for in this particular context uh, was the right rhythm. Um, because if you think about it, we were constantly talking about Um, And it really had a couple different components to it. What was the work that you just finished or that is in flight? And how is that going? How can I support you? Mm -hmm. Um, Let me give you feedback and coaching on what I think is working and how we can continue to move that forward. And then you're also talking about what's, what's next for the next 30 days. And you're getting into this rhythm and cycle of continuous feedback and continuously focusing on the work that matters most, you know, not, not to use COVID as an example, but if you just think about that in February, before COVID hit, we were probably talking about, wow, we're going to, you know, achieve this in the next 30 days or this in the next 45 days. And when you got to March 15th, 
a month later, that all changed, right? If you don't have that kind of cycle, then you can't be that agile and that adaptable. Because I guarantee you, probably for most leaders, what you were talking about in February drastically changed on March 18th. So mm-hmm. it allowed it, it just allows a more adaptable model. Well, let's think about in experimenting. One of the other things I know you're a big believer in is continuous feedback for both the organization and at individual levels. So what kind of experimentation um, have you done around continue? Well, first, let's talk about what do you mean by continuous feedback? What does that look like? Yeah. So again, we'll, we'll continue on with the, the performance discussion that we were talking about. So, you know, we've been focusing a lot in our conversation that we just had over the last few minutes around the continuous approach of how I, as a leader, am giving you feedback on the work that matters most um, to achieve the goals and objectives for the year and how we're progressing um, and, you know, how we need to adjust resources. So that's continuous feedback in regards to me as a team or me as the team leader providing feedback to the to the team. One of the things that we experimented though was feedback is a two-way street. So how does the team feel that I am doing in leading them to bring out their best self or to do their best work? So we experimented with an approach where each leader's team could provide upward feedback to their leader. Am I getting the resources I need? Am I getting the support that I need? Do I feel that you have an interest in my development and my success? And so there were certain questions, a few of those I just gave as an example, where my team could provide me upward feedback. And again, we experimented with a couple different approaches. We experimented with monthly. We experimented with quarterly. Um, and what we did find was um, the monthly feedback was a little too often. It got a little stale. And um, we saw a dip in um, the team providing upward feedback. What we found was quarterly was the right sequence in this particular context for a team to provide or for a team to provide upward feedback to their leader. Um, and then we also created what we called a leadership index. And there were certain questions that we knew through research that correlated to a leader's effectiveness. And what was really good is, is that I could see my leadership effectiveness over time, um, over those quarters. Um, you know, for US listeners that they'll uh, be able to uh, relate to this. It's almost like a credit score, right? Your, and your credit score doesn't stay stagnant. Neither does our leadership effectiveness. There are days that, you know, we're human, right? There's days that um, I'm probably more effective than not. Um, and so it allowed me to understand and course correct um, based on the feedback of my team. Um, and so, there, there, you know, there's an ex- example of, to me, continuous feedback is, is, is two-way. It's gathering feedback from your team around how effective you are and what do you need to do in order to bring out the best in them and then for you to provide feedback so that um, they can um, understand where they stand mm-hmm. and how they can achieve um, the object of, of objectives for the team. So, yeah. 
And it works really well. And we did lots of, you know, data correlation and research and gate around engagement to make sure that this experiment was working. So, Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's so valuable. And I love the fact that it's two way. I would assume with the leaders, they're meeting individually with each member of their team in these monthly sessions. What are you using? Uh, is it a um, an uh, question, uh, electronic questionnaire for people to give the upward feedback to their managers, or how are you gathering the data to present to the individual? Yeah, so it's a it's um, a great question, and there's a couple components. One is is that you're right at the heart of this, and we and we called it this in the conversation or in the um, experiment is the art of the conversation. It's yeah. about the one-on-one that you're having with your um, team. So at, at the center of it is the one-on-one, the conversation. But to provide support both to the leader and to the team, mem- to, the, to the direct report, we did provide some mechanisms to help provide some reflection. So before the one-on-one, the manager gets to reflect on certain questions it's just um, around six or seven that helps prepare them for the one-on-one. And we do capture that in a, in a system. And then the employee um, provides upward feedback on those 10, uh, it's about 10 questions and they provide that into the system as well. So you have both people reflecting Mm. um, and then there, which allows them to come to the one-on-one very well prepared. And You know, we tried to make it very, you know, lots of times performance systems or performance approaches to performance management um, or many of our, you know, many HR practices, we tend to maybe make them too complex. And so we wanted to keep it very simple. Mm -hmm. And so um, are the thought starter questions that we gave to the leader was one, how are you doing? Meredith, how are you doing? Um, Two, what are you working on? How's it going? And then three, how can I support you? Mm. Right? Very three simple questions, but three very powerful questions. Yes. Right? Um, and so it, it's just a great example of how you can take something very complex and make it very simple. I love that, Mark. It just makes so much sense because... I think oftentimes managers are feeling they have to be so task oriented. They would skip that first question. How are you (laughs) to jump right into what are you doing and how's it going? Have you met the deadlines or whatever? So taking that time and having it come from the organization as being okay and actually encouraged to spend time dealing with this human being that's in front of me to find out how things are going with them. I think that's just such an important element. And that last question, how can I support you? Because the mo- I'm just picturing how effective these have to be as people get into the rhythm of doing them and seeing their manager is very genuine in their interest about how I'm doing, how my work is going, and then how they can support me. That way, I and knowing that these questions are going to come to me, I'll be better prepared to answer them because I know they're coming and it's not a surprise. So as an employee, I can be proactive in thinking about what is it I do want from this person to make the conversation really productive on both sides. 
Right. I mean, you're spot on. And, you know, our work and lives, our work and our lives are so integrated, right? So, you know, it's when you ask the question and you have a high quality relationship with your leader and with, with your direct reports, when you ask the question around, how are you doing? You know, it creates that, to your point, that authenticity and that genuineness to say, you know, I'm not doing well. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I mean, we've seen over the last, you know, 18 to 24 months that people are feeling overwhelmed um, and we need to care about their mental well-being. And that that gets to the support. Right. Um, Because if you don't know where the individual is at, it's really hard to talk about the work. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I need to know where you know how you're doing and what can I do to support you in order for the work to actually get accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to your point, we miss that. So many times we just jump in and go, okay, what are you working on? (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, it's this um, idea somehow that I don't have time to get into that, you know, and I think what circling back to those core values that Ball has, when you look at we versus me and the you know, strive for 10, this whole idea of we're in this together. And I think that that can then give permission to managers to ask those questions at the front end and the back end that that really address the whole person. So I just think that's great. I I know we're running on time. So I have one final question that I'd like to ask you, and that's about your own development and growth as a leader, can you identify a couple of ways that um, you have seen yourself grow as you've done this experimenting and testing and and seen, you know, I like the, the way every time you started to say failure, you changed it, you know, to learning. I think that's a great approach because it's something that didn't work the way we thought it might. So what did we learn from that that we can change in the future? What are some examples of ways that you have grown as a result of the learning that you've been experiencing? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great question because, you know, I think about the assessments that I have participated in over the course of my, you know, career as part of my leadership development. And, you know, one of the areas that you know, I don't necessarily score significantly high on is interpersonal sensitivity, which is what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So I have had to really work and develop um, my interpersonal sensitivity um, aspects of my leadership development, Mm -hmm. being very authentic, being very genuine in understanding, like, it's, it's the questions around how can I support you and how are you doing? Cause that wasn't my natural tendency. If you look at kind of, you know, and I won't, you know, um, name specific assessments, but when you look at it, I'm very results orientated, very action orientated, um, kind of like, uh, you know, storm the hill type of, you know, perspective. And, you know, and this goes back to, you know, kind of the ICA it's like, I probably over-indexed in the achieve mm-hmm. um, and I was under-indexing in the inspire and uh, connect. And as I have taken on roles of larger scale and complexity, I have a deepened, I have deepened my appreciation of 
why it is so important. And I, you know, I've had great role models and great mentors that did it very well. And so, you know, you're able to lean in and, and get coaching and feedback from those individuals. But I would say the area that I have focused a lot of my energy and my own leadership journey and development is around how to inspire and get a team excited and how to connect with them. Because mm-hmm. um, I never really had a problem with the achieve, but I would say the the first two I needed to work on and, and continue to work on. Like I said, I you know consider it a, a, a painting unfinished, a work in progress. So. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, your idea of continuous feedback that you mentioned earlier, being a part of all the processes, that helps you find out how consistent you're being in in those areas. So it all just really works together. And I think I like to see feedback, defining that as a gift that somebody sharing with me something I might not have been aware of, either a strength or an area that's causing a problem for them. And so thank you for sharing that. I think it's helpful for people to, you know, look at that model of ICA with Inspire, Connect, and Achieve and think for themselves, where is it working um, for me and where might I need to make adjustments? Mark, tell folks how they can connect with you and learn more about your work at Ball, because I know we've just touched on the tip of the iceberg of your wisdom in in this world of talent development. Yeah, I mean, Meredith, first, thank you so much for inviting me to uh, be a part of the podcast and to share uh, this work with your listeners. Um, I can be reached on LinkedIn. Um, so if you... Um, Go to LinkedIn and, and you know, uh, Mark Kessner at Ball Corporation. I would love to connect with you. And, and if you're interested in, in talking and learning more about this. That's great. Thank you, Mark. I just want to say I so appreciate who you are and what amazing work you're doing there at Ball and the, the positive ripple effect you've had in these other organizations. Thank you for being my guest today. I really appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.